All right. Well, hello, everybody. Today is the day that we have all been waiting for. If you've been keeping up with uh, your creative mentor, which is me. My name's Lauren and I'm your creative mentor. And if you're fresh out of school or you're trying to pivot your career and you don't really know what the hell is going on because school didn't teach you or you just don't know, hi, I'm here to help you. This is a podcast that is meant to be a resource for anybody who wants it to help pivot their career or start one in the creative field. Because the thing that people don't really understand is there's actually a lot of money to be made in our field. And that is what we're going to talk about today. As always, I say this every episode, you should always vet your sources. You should always look into who's giving you free advice and what they may have to gain from it. Me personally, I was you at some point. I was really frustrated in art school that I asked the question, how do I apply all of this to real life? I, I've, I've got the skill. I came here. I participated in the critiques, blah, blah, blah. How do I get a real job? And nobody could answer the question in a way that satisfied me. And I had to redo all my portfolios and I had to figure it out. And for seven years, I just bebopped around in my career till I got to my dream job that I have today. So this is to prevent you from having to go through that. So today what we're going to talk about is kind of one of my favorite things because I'm just really excited that there are resources for this and I'm excited to tell you about it. We're going to talk about money. How much should you get paid? How do you know? When do you know when it's time to get a pay bump? And how do you manage all of that? So let's just dive right in. First of all, there is an industry standard guide that is free and accessible to you to check it out. And there is this group. It's called The Creative Group. They are um, a creative agency in the sense that they place creative workers into jobs. And we went over all of that last week. Um, if you're not following these week by week, that's totally fine. But I will say we do call back to a bunch of topics I've covered before. And I try to keep these podcasts at 30 to 40 minutes because if you're anything like me, after an hour, I can't process what you're telling me anymore. <laughs> so um, it is from a creative agency that places creatives like content writers, graphic designers, project managers, a bunch of range of titles into positions with brands and companies. And they essentially do a creative census every year. There are a bunch of different creative groups that do these sorts of things and they manage their data differently. But this one, because they're placing people in the workforce, know how much everyone should be paid for a full-time position, contract position, um, experience level, all of that stuff. And at the end of every year, when all of the companies are doing their budgets in this, the fourth quarter, um, in business, business is measured in quarters, which is three months chunked out into four quarters. And so when you get to like the holiday season, that's the fourth quarter. And that's when everyone prepares for the next year. And departments do budgets, which is what determines how much they get to pay you. So even though you might not be an administrative person who's super into budgeting and money and stuff at a company level, knowing when the budget cycle begins and ends is a leveraging opportunity for you if you work for a company or brand in a full-time capacity. So... 
the creative and marketing salary guide. Now the information I'm going to be giving you as examples are real life examples from the year 2021, the year we are currently in. And I will be reading through parts of this to kind of explain it to you. It's a pretty hefty document. And honestly, it's just super exciting. And they have two versions of this document. If you're a company and you want to know these numbers, and if you're a worker and you want to know these numbers. So everyone knows what these numbers are. So it's a really nice transparency to have. And I'll just kind of brush up on like what's in here. It has hiring trends in the United States because that's where I live and that's the advice that I'm giving all of this to you from. Um, they do reference Canada in this as well. How to use their salary tables, how um, the salaries work in the United States, adjusting for salaries. And what that means is depending where you live, your cost of living is different. So you could be making a significant percentage more than these national average salaries, or you could be making less. So also, if you were like me in the past, you were looking to leave where you were living to go somewhere different. This is a good place that's a barometer, or this is a good place to check in as a barometer of like where your opportunities lie. Because uh, I was either going to move to New Orleans or Chicago, and they're completely different cities. But after kind of realizing this, I saw my opportunities were better here. So I came here. Um, what else is in here? Um, oh, and pretty much all of those things um, for Canada as well. So hiring trends in Canada, salaries, adjusting salaries. Um, then they go into trends and benefits and perks in the hiring world. So some positions like currently right now, um, UX and UI is super popular and in demand because everything's moving to digital and app-based and a user experience has to be designed well and it has to function well. And so that's a really top priority for a lot of companies. Um, so it, trends and benefits and perks will show you kind of that for the year. Um, as well as additional resources. And then it tells you about the creative group. So at the end, it's a little pitch for the um, temp agency, which I think is fair if they're giving out this resource for free. You literally just join an email list and you get this every year and it's awesome. So um, I'm not going to go too much into the hiring trends of the United States. You can download this and look at it yourself. I will make this available on my Patreon as a free piece of content. Um, my Patreon does have uh, premium content levels that are all explained there, and I'll get to it at the end of this. But um, there is a place where I put all these links. So go check out my Patreon. It's the Creative Mentor. This will be available as a PDF to download for free because it was free to me. And I'll point you to where you can sign up to get it every year if that's something that interests you. They also talk about hiring during COVID-19, and I will kind of read this page a little bit just because I think it's very relevant. And even though I'm hoping my advice is helpful to you in an evergreen capacity, we are currently in the 2020-2021 pandemic. I'm coming at you from my bedroom. If you're watching me on YouTube, you can see my bedroom and my wonderful outfit, and I'm not wearing glasses today. Testing it out. Um... So some top three hiring changes for companies that were made because of the COVID-19 pandemic is that um, 54 plus percent um, interviews have been conducted virtually and working from home has become a major source of change. 
and that it's shortened the hiring process for about 42% of everybody. So that means people are getting hired faster than usual at 42% capacity change. Um, and then advertising full, fully remote jobs because we cannot ethically go into offices nationally. That is also a change for most companies at 42% companies had to change to that. So um, they also give you like their sample size so that like, you know, 42% of what, 54% of what, how many companies is that? And, um, you know, just as a side note down here, it says that they've surveyed more than uh, 2,400 senior managers in the United States and 500 senior managers in Canada. So those authority figures are the ones answering these questions that these stats come from. Um, digital marketing experience is more of a priority than it's been before, um, which is always weird to me. The fact everyone's like, wow, switching to digital is changing our business model. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, I've been ordering stuff offline forever. And like, I probably purchase more online than going into a store before the pandemic, but I'm certainly changing that habit now. So I, I don't know. That's just my personal thing. I'm like, this is kind of weird. But, you know, when you work for um, an old school mindset company, I guess if you're paying attention in that regard, they're like, whoa, because old school is old school. You know what I mean? So let's get down here to um, hot jobs. So here's a good kind of barometer if you're pivoting or thinking about what you want to do getting into the workforce, especially because Gen Z specifically and people younger, especially if you're graduating college right now or if you're graduating high school and you just want to get out into the workforce when it's safe to you too. Um, these are, it's going to be difficult. I'm just going to be really honest with you. We're going to be heading into a recession and that absolutely affects everybody. And depending on your company's, um, uh, priorities or your ability to work with other companies and clients based on their needs, which these jobs will probably help you define, um, it's going to be really competitive in the market because so many people are unemployed right now and when I came out of college in 2013 it was kind of a similar situation um so I don't want to say like buckle up and get ready but like you, there's a lot you can pull from your strategy from reading this document if you kind of know what you're doing a little bit already but if not and you're trying to define what you want to look for and search when you're looking for work Here's some good terms to remember. So some hot jobs right now are communication specialists, content strategists, copywriters, digital strategists, e-commerce marketing managers, front-end web developers, graphic designers, instructional designers. So like if you've ever read a manual marketing analytics specialist, marketing automation specialist, SEO, which stands for search engine optimization, so how you find things on Google, a specialist UX UI designer, UX researcher, and a video producer. Now, all of those were read as individual jobs, but I will also tell you a realistic expectation that will be put upon you when you go out into the workforce is you're going to hold a couple of those titles. 
And I say that because coming from a self-taught graphic designer, I do not have a college degree in graphic design. I have a college degree in fine art sculpture. (laughs) Um, At my own job, there is a somewhat reasonable expectation for me to have content strategy, digital strategy, graphic design. Um, A lot of graphic design jobs expect you to have some web knowledge um, and some SEO knowledge. All of that gets like crammed into the same job. So you might be looking at a job description that's like graphic designer, but then it like has all those other expectations kind of written into the bullet points. And I'm saying that to you because a lot of people, women especially, in a lot of surveys taken in the past, they will not apply to jobs if they don't think they have most of the list. Whereas men typically look at a list and see that 25% of what is it being asked for, they think they can do. So they apply. So what I mean by all of that is if you really think you can do the job and you can illustrate in your resume with facts and figures and your portfolio with work and the explanation of the behind the work, if you don't think you are a content strategist or digital strategist, you might already be doing it by accident. And if you are solely dedicated to that and you find a place in a company or a client that needs that specifically, that's even more excellent. But I'm just telling you all of that to if you see these things as kind of nice to haves, you might organically be doing it. So don't count yourself out of a job description until you really read through it and understand what it means. So I'm telling you that from the hot jobs just to make sure that you know there's a lot of gray area in kind of what we're talking about in regards to titles, which I'll get more in depth about a little bit later. So let's scroll down to like the more important thing we're interested in. There's something called percentiles and I cannot remember if I've gotten into this before. We're on our fifth episode here, but percentiles are a really good way of kind of testing against yourself of what your experience level is. So how this salary kind of table is laid out is through four percentiles. The 25th percentile is your brand new. Maybe you just got promoted and you're just starting out in the position or you are entry level and you've never had a job before in this field, but you have the portfolio to get there. You should be operating at um, the 25th percentile. So brand new. That's kind of your salary number to look at. Then you have the 50th percentile and that's kind of like, all right, you've been in your position for like maybe three or four years ish, maybe two or three. It kind of depends how fast paced your job is. Um, So in the 50th percentile, after a certain amount of years of experience in your field or in your title, you have the space to ask for more money. And this is kind of where the raise comes in, you know. And this is also going to be a stepping stone into getting a promotion, a title promotion later. So that's kind of how the 50th percentile is relevant to you. If you're someone with three or four years more experience, then you're not like an entry level designer, but you're not a senior designer. You're in the 50th percentile. The 75th is the senior title um, of your other ones. 
So you should be getting a title raise and a monetary raise in the 75th percentile. And usually that comes at four to five years experience in what you're doing. Um, shifting companies makes this possible. And staying within a company for a certain amount of time that could potentially be longer than shifting companies is where this promotion happens for a lot of people. If you're even talking company culture. Now, if you are um, a client-based designer, meaning you only take on contract work and you're working as a freelancer, um, this is a lot more of a burden to prove on you you need to have either the client names or the work, or you have to be really good at talking about what you do to justify these price points. But these price points are justifiable. And then the 95th percentile in this salary deck is director level, the boss. You're, you're at the top of your game. Um, this is the range you should be looking for that's appropriate for your skill set and the time that you've spent in your profession, both managing people, working with people, talking to people, managing brands, creating things, and making things consistent. So um, that's kind of 25th, 50th, 75th, 95th percentile. That's kind of how it breaks down. And it's useful to know because when you go into job interviews or you're vetting job descriptions, these are the numbers you should be looking for. And the numbers I'm going to be kind of reading off are the national standard for 2021. They do go up and they do go down and it just completely depends on what the job market is looking for and what budgets in companies are allowing for. Because we all know, we've probably seen it our whole life, but creatives are always the first to get cut in everything. In school programming, in job workforce, in companies, all of that stuff. Um, so that's the, this information, the budget, when the budget comes in, what things cost, how many people work there, how many titles you're actually kind of fulfilling instead of the one you were hired for. They're all very relevant to kind of looking at these numbers and being able to prove to whoever's in charge of giving you money how that justification and how that math works. This is how you show your work, and this is a great document to check that against. So um, right off the bat, just to kind of give you some figures to think about, creative directors at their lowest, being a brand new creative director, so that's a promotion from a senior designer, the national average for this year is about $93,000 a year. And if you're a pro, you could be at $191,000. So if you really stick to it, and a creative director is someone who manages people, manages a team, works with the marketing team, if you're kind of more into the businessy section of all of that, um, that's kind of where you're looking for when you get to that point. Now, we're all kind of beginners and intermediates, so that's just so you're aware. This is probably what your manager's getting paid or what you could be paid someday. That doesn't always mean that it's true. It's just this is kind of the standard. Um, and companies also get to just choose what they pay people. But if they want the talent, they have to pay these numbers. Um, so let's get on down here. Art directors are a little bit less and they're more in the creative. They're more managing the team within the art director's eye. Um, that's kind of how these work. So you're looking at sixty-eight dollars to $122,000 a year based on experience. Um, you have studio managers. So these are people who make sure you have the paper, the 
all that stuff. These are people who are scheduling photo shoots for you when you call them up and you go, hey, I need this ridiculous picture for this ad. Help me out. And they go, okay, let me figure it out. And they talk to a billion people for you. You know, they're about 54 to $100,000 a year for their position based on experience. We have graphic designers. That's $43,000 to $89,000 a year at a senior level. So that's something to kind of think about. You have digital artists, production artists. They're all kind of a similar range. You have 3D animator and 3D modeler. They're about $50,000 to $100,000 depending on your um, experience level. And this gets way down into the nitty gritty. I work, my title is graphic designer, but they have packaging designer in here. And that's like a production design job. And like that is not to say anyone is better than anyone else, but a packaging designer makes about the same as a graphic designer, 48 to $93,000 because they're essentially also merchandising a product when they do that. And so, but I will say, if you have a graphic design title, you might also be expected to do packaging design. And so knowing how much a packaging designer makes and a graphic designer makes, depending on how your company is structured or how your client's needs are defined, you can kind of play with that number a little bit to prove your math on how much you are deserved to be paid. Because maybe you can do the packaging and the ads for the thing you made the packaging for that's worth more than $48,000 already. And like, this is kind of what I mean, like being in a creative job. And this is the point I drive home all the time. It's a gray area. And as creatives, we think outside the box. We're not checking off checklists in our careers and we're not checking off checklists in our life because being creative is more abstract in existence. And the job market isn't really different. And that's what I'm trying to illustrate by reading these job titles to you. Reading how much money you can make in the job title. Reading you the percentiles and how companies are quantifying what we do. Even though to a certain extent, what we do is not always quantifiable. But it's always on the burden of the creative person to teach the marketing and accounting and general manager people of our jobs this exact point. So the burden is on us to prove through stats you ask marketing for on your project, through explanations of why there's value here and how it helps the company and framing everything to justify these numbers and in asking for more. It's also a great point to come back to, to check yourself for if you are seeking a promotion, both in title or money or both, um, how to go above and beyond your job title when your job title is kind of already abstract. If you're doing digital strategy, packaging design as a graphic designer you know what I mean so what what does that mean if that's what you're doing every day what does it mean to go above and beyond that and how much dollars can you put against that these are all pieces of the math equation that you can take to mean whatever works for you if you want to get a ten thousand dollar raise you can find where you're naturally good at how to put that together how to bring that to a boss, how to quantify it to your boss, 
how to justify that quantification and how to ask and wait to see if they'll give it to you. That's how this whole document can work. It's not just, here's what you make, go. Here's what this title means, go. Here's how you get promoted through the title, go. That's not how this works. And I think that that's how a fair amount of other jobs that aren't necessarily abstract and creative do work. And a lot of creative companies don't necessarily have a clear promotional ladder to follow where other companies might. The burden is on us, the creatives, to come up with this corporate ladder or client ladder to justify our rates. But knowing the base of what our rates are worth is what starts to help us justify that. So this is kind of what I mean. And also like with thinking about last week when we were talking about, um, well not last week, the week before, when we were talking about how you get hired and how you find creative work and um, what your hourly rate should be or what your project rate should be. This is kind of where that $20 an hour, $24 an hour, $27 an hour, $30, $40 an hour those just for perspective $35 an hour actually equates to about $70,000 a year um and so when you see that your entry level rates for a lot of common design um titles are 40,000 48,000 50 52 55 you know plus you can make real livable money off of this so let me keep going down here we have Money rates for illustrators, infographic designers, photo retouchers, photographers, people who manage and coordinate digital traffic to your websites, digital asset managers, desktop publishers, UX designers and researchers, product designers, packaging designers, interactive designers, all sorts of things. We have mobile designers, web designers, video producers and editors, content strategists, content managers. Uh, what else do we have here? Copywriters, technical writers, copy editors, proofreaders, account directors, supervisors, managers. Now, if you're a freelancer and, or you're a contractor, you are this person. You are your own account manager because each client is an account to you. So knowing how much these all make if they were hired by a company versus working as a freelancer might be helpful to you. Marketing officers, marketing directors, marketing managers, all of these have the base salaries in here. Media buyers, media planners, marketing analytics managers, brand producers, um, SEO specialists, digital strategists, we've covered this before, social media managers, e-commerce marketing managers. So it's not all sole creatives. It's kind of the whole gambit. The person who needs it, the person who makes it, the graphic designer, and the person who implements it for once the asset is made. All of these people work in a creative team. So in a lot of structure too, creatives ladder up and um, work for the marketing team. Some institutions have creatives working side by side with the marketing team. It all depends on the corporate structure. And typically for smaller companies, creative and marketing are kind of one department. And in mid-sized companies, they'll work together, 
but one owns the creative and the consistency while one owns the strategy. And then typically for your largest companies, that's where they're hiring agencies or freelancers or contractors and stuff like that. So this whole document outlines all of that stuff and it's super great. And I love to look at it and I love to tell everyone about it and it's super awesome. So before at the top of this, I mentioned those were just national averages and that when you get down to your town um, or city, that that can go up or down. So let me kind of get into this. It's all about the cost of living and what I can tell you and what I can't tell you. I can tell you that this still applies currently, but when the pandemic is over with how much work from home saves companies and how uh, little productivity seems to be affected so far we are finding, I don't really know how this will apply to the job search, but I also don't think the market knows either. So I'm just going to tell you what we do know. Uh, What we do know is because of cost of living, that determines how much more it will cost or how much less it will cost to pay you. And this depends where you live or where you're based out of. If you're a freelancer working remotely anyway and you live in California, you should be accounting for this percentage. However, if you're trying to solicit a client who might work in Seattle and maybe they pay more if you live in Seattle, you might be missing out on some money there, so that's why they're cheaper and go with you. Or if you live in California and you're trying to solicit somebody in Louisiana, you might be too expensive because of this factor. So like that's how that can work, but if your company is position is headquartered, we'll use Chicago for example, because that's where I live, your company's headquartered in Chicago, you should be paid the extra percentage for being based in Chicago, which is also true for me. So since we're talking about Chicago, let's go on down to the state of Illinois. So uh, the graphic design, I forget what it was off the top of my head. Let's say it's $50,000 because that's a pretty decent beginning or mid-range rate. Um, So if I live in Chicago, you need to add 24% to that number, which I think is pretty close to the mid-60s or something like that. So while I'm looking at the national average rate for a graphic designer, it's not going to be enough for me to be living in Chicago. Chicago needs to pay me more than that figure. So then I know if I go into an entry-level job and I'm offered that position as a graphic designer and they only give me $50,000, I know that that's not a fair offer. They need to add 24% to that. So then I can counter offer with that number back and say, per the national averages, that is a fair number. However, because of where we are located, I was thinking this number was a little more in the range for my experience and my ability to show up for work. You would just add whatever 24% is. And that goes for like a lot of places. You know, you have Portland, Maine. Well, I was about to just throw that out. Portland, Maine is actually less. So if you're offered $50,000 for a job in Portland, Maine, that's super fair because uh, because of the cost of living, it's negative 5%. So you could be offered a little bit less than $50,000 as a graphic designer. And that's kind of what I mean about this. For the most part, everything is either up like 3 to 8% or down 3 to 8%. But there's a couple of cities on here that are up 24, 34. That's the biggest one I saw. 34% more is Boston. So if you're really looking for a good payday, go to Boston. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, they have all 50 states on here. I'm just scrolling to see what interests me. 30% in New Jersey. What else do we have here? What else do we have here? We have 30% in Irvine, California, 32 in Los Angeles, 34 in Oakland, 29. Oh, wow. 29 in San Diego, 41% in San Francisco. So if you're a graphic designer, entry level, San Francisco, the national average is 50%. You should be paid probably closer to about $79,000 to $80,000 entry level there. But keep in mind, that's because of cost of living. So even though you're going to be paid that much there for a fair, livable wage as a graphic designer, you're also probably throwing that whole percentage out in your cost of living. But these are all things to keep in mind. And if you're talking to your buddies and they've all moved around and they sound like they're making more than you, that's probably a big reason why. It's not because they're better or that they know more than you or they're more experienced necessarily if you both started at the same time. That's how money and salaries in our field and really anyone's field work. So I think we get imposter syndrome really bad because we compare what everyone's doing and our perspective of what people do is different than their perspective. We think they're better than us. We can't do it as great. And I think when you start being really transparent with money, which I don't think is a bad idea for us to start doing as younger workers... I think that's where it gets tricky for people. And just because I might be making more than some buddies in Michigan, it's because our cost of living is completely different. And that extra percentage, we're probably not really enjoying any more than what our our other friends are doing because it goes into the cost of living. You know, I live in a condominium downtown to be close to my office, which didn't matter this year because I've been working from home. But I needed to buy things to make working from homework for me. So I still, whatever I saved in like transportation on the train or eating out or whatever I was doing or taxes because I own my home and taxes are nuts here. I'm not seeing that extra 24% just like in a luxury handbag or whatever we spend our money on. I'm spending it on income or not income. I'm spending it on property tax and transportation to my job and things like that. So that's kind of the idea of like how money works, how you can calculate everything, how all of these numbers mean a much bigger picture and how you can use this to take advantage of this for yourself. And I'll get into negotiating salaries and negotiating rates after you've been working for a little bit later. And I do want to tell you there is a lot about taxes to consider in how you choose your jobs and how you um, justify payment for jobs, especially if you're a freelancer um, and not with an agency. I'll touch points on that again, but that's what going to be what we talk about next month. Taxes suck. And um, they suck for everyone, but I want to give you a little more perspective on taxes, even if you have no idea like how that even works. That's totally fine. It took me seven years to learn what I'm going to tell you next week. And I meet people still today at my age who barely understand how taxes work. But I just think if you do understand it, even just a little bit to know what to expect, you can make better choices for yourself to keep as much money as possible, which is always the goal. So I'll go into that next week. I'll try not to make it boring, I promise. I'm just trying to get keep the bullet points for you. 
So that's kind of the end of this. Again, I'll post this PDF with all of the information I was reading for you on Patreon. If I went a little too fast for you, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to like read through the numbers to give you quick ideas. I'm not necessarily trying to spell it out so much as give you just a taste of what it all is. And if you guys have questions on this, even afterwards, just again, go to the Patreon. There's a, a place to comment and we can talk to each other. And I'm totally down to do that. If you have some basic questions, I can point you to other resources Again, we are in this together. I need you to help me help you. Um, so go check out the Patreon. Again, content is free on there. There's a couple of premium tiers and I'll go into them a little bit. I have um, Brian's coworker corner. Brian is my beta fish administrative assistant. He takes all of my calls and he schedules all of my meetings. Um, but that's a $2 tier and you get these podcasts a week early. Um, and you also get access to everybody else. I'm hoping to kind of have a designer support group or a creative support group on there so we can check in with each other. Um, you can talk about your job experience. Uh, sometimes having first jobs is weird and we get weird Stockholm syndrome because we're scared to leave them for better opportunities or we don't know what's normal. And, and we don't know what is and it's a great place to check against each other so I'd really like to get that support group grow growing so that's Brian's coworker corner then I have a digital download tier that's seven dollars I keep saying five for some reason in other podcasts but it's seven dollars and honestly that's just me having um, a little digital download booklet for you at the end of the month that goes over all of the topics we covered for the month because I have sectioned this out into relevant curriculum points each month. So at the end of the month I just make a downloadable PDF for you because instead of just listening to me over and over and not really knowing where the point is in the podcast you want to repeat. I just kind of make it into a workbook for you. So I have checklists in there. All the links I mentioned are in there. Um, questions to consider in there. And I just kind of summarize everything for you in there. Because I also know some of you are better at reading things than listening. So I just have a downloadable digital booklet for you every month there. And then I have a $12 Rubens sticker uh, club. Ruben is my boa constrictor. If you're watching me on um, YouTube, he's always in the background. His tank's always in the frame. Um, and Ruben is my pet boa constrictor, like I said. Um, I'm a reptile enthusiast. And when we lived in Los Angeles, Ruben's kind of famous. So he is his own creative um, worker. He does photo shoots and stage shows, and he's needed to learn how to be a contractor himself. But the sticker thing is all of the previous perks. And if you're just more into some of the work that I do personally and you like my illustrations or my pins or whatever, it's just a fun little like every month I send you a little pack of stickers I've made. It's it's just a little fun interactive thing if you're into the work. And then I have this experimental tier. It's $20 and it's more of a one on one. It's called the boardroom and it's where you get access to an email that personally goes to me. It skips Brian. And um, I can look at your resume for you. I can review your portfolio for you. And we can connect on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a huge tool. And I really want you to get good at using it with minimal effort because it's going to help you a lot. Trust me. So um, that's an experimental tier. I might move that to a one-on-one -on -one basis over on my website. But we'll see. We'll see. Go poke around. See if the premium content's for you. 
but I'm not trying to put up a paywall for information. This is just coming from an ex-art student who is super frustrated. No one could tell me this and I wasted like so much time learning all of this the hard way. So I don't want you to have to learn it the hard way. So check me out on Patreon. New episodes every Monday at 7 a.m. Um, Chicago time. So I hope you guys are listening to this to get hyped to start your day, whether you're looking for jobs or you're redoing your portfolio or you're just at work. So I'll talk to you guys next week uh, for freaking taxes, man. And I'm I'm really going to try to help you guys out with that one because it sucks. <laughs> But if you know what you're doing, you feel really smart and you feel like one of those like, like business, like hedge fund people where you're like, I get it. I know. And it it feels really good when you do know, but like learning how hard it is to navigate. You're just like, come on, government. Why you got to be like that? (laughs) So I'll talk to you guys next week. Goodbye.